This Week. I'm Alan Jackson, CBS News, reporting on the CBS Radio Network. One billion dollars a day could be the headline for the events of this past week. That's the size of the new budget President Ford is sending to Congress. Much of it written in red ink. The mere magnitude is difficult to comprehend, but it only underscores the problems of the U.S. and the world economies. The economy was a key subject of discussion at the White House this week between Britain's visiting Prime Minister Wilson and President Ford. How to cure the recession? Wilson, in a press club speech, emphasized how not to do it. Some experts would tell you that heavy unemployment, mass unemployment, is the cure for rampant inflation. But you cannot exclude the misery and the hardship and the degradation. Nor can you exclude the strains which such a policy puts upon the social and political fabric of a nation indeed puts on democracy itself. It is not the financial crises of the 1920s and the 1930s which are remembered today, but the recourse to unemployment which left its scars on an entire generation. President Ford, in his official welcoming statement to the Prime Minister, paraphrased a statement once made by another British Prime Minister, Winston Churchill. The challenges we face are serious, they are different, and in many ways much more complex than those confronted in the Second World War. Yet, I am confident, by working together, the free and democratic nations can again triumph. We are still made not of sugar candy. It was in December of 1941, shortly after Pearl Harbor, a time of deep gloom for the West, that Churchill said... We have not journeyed across the centuries, across the oceans, across the mountains, across the prairies, because we have made of sugar candy. This week, the president sent Congress his request for supplemental military aid for Southeast Asia. Another $300 billion for South Vietnam, another $200 million for Cambodia. Congress was not receptive. Not so much because of the costs involved, but because of the seeming futility of pouring more millions where far too many billions have already gone. The Democratic whip of the Senate, West Virginia's Robert Byrd, took a very dim view of the request. I'm uh, willing to say that uh, I think that we have uh, given uh, 55,000 American lives in that uh, part of the world. We've uh, uh, contributed over 125, somewhere between 125 and 150 billions of dollars uh, the Congress appropriated $700 million, which is not uh, a small sum of money uh, for this fiscal year for South Vietnam. And I uh, take a rather dim view of the possibilities of getting an additional $300 million. There's also the matter of continued military aid for Turkey, due to cease as of midnight Tuesday by direction of Congress, unless there is substantial progress toward a settlement on Cyprus. This past week, Secretary of State Kissinger met with four members of Congress urging a delay in the deadline, but he had to concede that as of now, there has not been any substantial progress toward a settlement. And the four congressmen were not persuaded. One of them, Indiana Democratic Representative John Bradamus. The point that we did uh, raise uh, after we had gone through some of the specifics of these uh, negotiations and the, and the circumstances was to recall to the Secretary the context in which we were carrying on these discussions, namely that nearly six months ago plus, Turkish armed forces using arms supplied by the United States government committed aggression against a friendly country. That is in violation 
of the agreement between the government of Turkey and the government of the United States and is in violation of American law. And we insisted that the law be enforced. Is the problem one of Turkey's refusal, reluctance, or inability to negotiate a settlement? It may be the latter. New York Times correspondent Stephen Roberts in a dispatch from Ankara says, an American diplomat was asked recently if Washington would exert more pressure on Turkey to settle the Cyprus problem. He replied acidly, who the hell do you exert pressure on? And Times man Roberts goes on to point out that Turkey presently is without an effective government, one that remains in office only by default, that is headed by a retired physiology professor whose cabinet received precisely 17 votes out of 450 when he asked the parliament for a vote of confidence in November. Roberts calls it the case of the phantom government and says there is no immediate possibility of a change. Then there's the matter of the Middle East. Still without a settlement, although there have been signs from both Egypt and Israel that a settlement is no longer considered impossible. Egypt's President Sadat spent three days in Paris this week, mending some diplomatic fences and buying some new military hardware. John Cheyenne filed this report from Cairo. Sadat's visit to Paris might muddy the waters for Henry Kissinger's efforts to get a peace settlement between Israel and the Arabs. President Sadat came away from his talks with French President Valéry Giscard d'Estaing and announced that he wants France included at the negotiating table in Geneva. France also endorsed the Palestine Liberation Organization as a participant. Israel has refused to talk with the Palestinians, and considering the French embargo on weapons to Israel, probably won't be too anxious to talk with the French either, especially since the French government offered to sell Mirage fighter bombers to Egypt. Secretary Kissinger will reportedly come to the Middle East again this month, and the current American peace initiative is aimed at getting another step closer to peace without the Geneva Conference. France is making a bid for a greater role in international affairs, and President Sadat is helping the French effort by saying he wants the French government in the peace talks as the spokesman for Europe. That's taken here as a sign Sadat is not optimistic about Kissinger's peace effort. France also signed a wide range of economic agreements with Egypt to cement their new cordial relationship. The Egyptians call it a great reconciliation and a turning point in history. French-Egyptian relations had been chilly since France joined England in the invasion of Suez 19 years ago. John Shayan, CBS News, Cairo. The soaring oil prices of 74 obscured some otherwise very good news this week. The Commerce Department announced that if oil prices in 74 had remained the same as in 73, the U.S. would have had a handsome surplus in foreign trade of some $14 billion. But that wasn't to be, and we ended up with the second highest trade deficit of the century. But a hopeful note, an economic analyst for the Commerce Department, Adrian Cooper, doesn't expect a similar upsurge in import prices this year. The trend was pretty strong in, in 1974. It was quite a reversal uh, of the previous year when we had a $1.3 billion surplus. Uh, and uh, if we could cut back our oil imports by even as much as uh, 10%, we would be very close to even, for example. Uh, the, the major impact of the, of the change in price in oil uh, has already been felt. In other words, we won't, we won't see another $15 billion increase in 1975. If the new trade deficit figures were bad news this week, the startling performance of the stock market was good news, with a whopping gain of 37 points on record volume. What did it mean? 
Some observers were suggesting, cautiously, that it might indicate that turnaround time is at hand for the market and for the economy, although the latter usually trails the market's direction by five or six months. Some others said it might not mean that at all. One of the latter, the noted economist Milton Friedman. The thing about the market is that you always have a balance of forces working either way, and uh, nobody can tell for a particular day why the balance shifts one way or it shifts the other. The one thing you can be sure about the stock market is what John Pierpont Morgan always used to say when people asked him similar questions. He would say, if you want to know what the market will do, I will tell you. It will fluctuate. It will fluctuate. Well, that at least would be welcome news for many investors who for too long have been watching a market that seems intent on going in only one direction, down. Many would be content simply to see it go up and down for a change. The World This Week has been produced by Harry Pelosian. I'm Alan Jackson, CBS News.